0: that, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, and that would be chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. We'll read the first nine verses together of Isaiah 42. Um, This is a passage that, um, as we look at it today, really speaks about the, uh, the Messiah it's pretty clear to us the things said apply to Jesus Christ. Written about 600 years or so before the birth of Jesus, um, what did people think when they saw that, when they, when they heard uh, this promise? Because what was going on in their life was uh, a lot of uh, brokenness, a lot of national calamity, a lot of doubt about the survival of the nation and those kinds of things. And so um, they, they may have thought, well, this is just the promise of a really, really good king who's going to bail us out. Uh, some have even thought that they were, would have just thought about, uh, well, this is what the nation will look like. a sort of a, uh, the personality of the nation of Israel. Uh, and that, that may have been. People may have looked at that. But what we do know is that from this side of Christmas, uh, the Messiah having come in the person of Jesus Christ, we look now and we see more clearly... Uh, things into which the angels long to look, and so um, we see the Messiah here revealed in the Old Testament. So, with that, we start at verse one, chapter forty-two, book of Isaiah. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him; he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord... Who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it? I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, and that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Let us bow together in prayer. Gracious Father, I ask that you would indeed send your Holy Spirit into our midst, that you would come upon every heart and every mind and enable us to understand, and then Father, to embrace and apply to our hearts the truth of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to those things that need to be yielded and surrendered to you. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would give us the courage of faith to be obedient as your servants. Father, I pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst today that you enable our worship to be worthy of your glory, not by our design, but by the work of your Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move us out from where we are in our self-satisfaction and to have a joyful anticipation of what you will do and are doing in our midst. Father, send your Holy Spirit guide us to lead us. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. John was about seven or eight years old, we think. Well, I should should set this up. A lot of you know, some of you don't, but you will in a moment, is uh, one of my hobbies is building wooden model ships of the uh, uh, the sailing variety, the tall ship, you know, with the spars and the rigging and the rat line strain everywhere in, in your apartment. But anyway, you know, these, these are, are I think they're nice models, you know, but but I build them and I, I think they're nice and so uh, I have several in my office. Well when John was about seven or eight years old, let's make it seven. You were cuter at seven. By eight you just weren't cute anymore. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been downhill ever since <laughs> but anyway uh, Uh, So I had one of these model ships on my desk, and uh, uh, John was in the office, and and I forget what we were doing, but he went to put on his jacket, and he got one arm into one sleeve, and then as he put his arm in the other sleeve, and he pulled it around, the jacket caught my model ship. And you know how time slows down? (laughs) No! (laughs) So... Uh, so it it falls on the floor and uh, you can imagine what it looked like Uh, I was in complete control of myself (laughs) but uh, what I really remember the most was the look of abject horrified fear on John's face because he had broken one of often we have broken one of our Father's things, something He has made. God doesn't just turn out stuff piecemeal or assembly line. Everything God creates is created with a purpose. And everything He puts together is put together with a magnificent display of His craftsmanship. And what God makes is beautiful. And we take it, and we knock it around, and it winds up broken on the floor. And we don't even have enough sense to know what we've done half the time. We look at it and say, well, there you go, and we just move on. In fact, we're so clever in our sin, we start to explain why we've actually improved it. It didn't need all those masts. It didn't have to have all that rigging. Why, look, it's streamlined now with the masts cut off. But we break what God has created, and you know. And, and, and unless you think this is a uh, like an environmental sermon, like we've broken the environment, okay, fine. But well, we have broken the people that God creates with our own sin and our own rebellion. We have broken our own lives, and some of you know that. Sometimes. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes immediately. Sometimes it takes a while. Some of us are pretty hard-headed, and it's hard to get through to us. But sometimes we realize that, yes, in our lives we, have, we are broken. And it's not that circumstances have broken us, although they can, they can get a, a, you know pile things on top of us. But more often than not, we have broken our own lives by our rebellion against God. We've taken his instruction set. We've totally thrown it out the window. We've tried to do it our own way. And we wind, we wind up with, with a pile of broken pieces on the floor. And so often as a result of that, we feel broken and bruised. We feel as though the, the vitality has gone out of life. We start to wonder if it will ever flame into... Vibrancy again. And in those moments of brokenness, when the light has gone out, the prison doors have closed, we need Messiah. Human beings from the dawn of time have needed the Messiah. And God knows what he's doing. God knew that in the fullness of time he would send Jesus to be born Laid in a manger, the wise men, the shepherds, you know, the, the whole Christmas story. God knew when that was coming. He had it exactly planned for the exact right moment in human history, and he would accomplish his purposes at that moment in sending Messiah. For hundreds, if not thousands of years, people of God, those who knew the true and living God, They were awaiting the promised Messiah. And in the course of that waiting, God was kind and gracious to give prophets who spoke of the coming Messiah so that in the midst of their brokenness, the people could realize God isn't Out of the loop. He's not resigned to the state of affairs. God is still working. He is going to send the Messiah. And when he comes, this is what Messiah will be. The prophet Isaiah talking to the Israelite people, prophesying to the Israelite people, he says, This is what God says. God says, Behold, my servant. The Messiah is going to come to you and he's going to be a servant. We think God ought to send kings or generals, send powerful people who can make things happen. We think God ought to send someone who comes in a robe with a crown and a sword and a scepter. But God sent his son to be a servant with a bowl and a towel to wash feet. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Look, the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. That's a remarkable verse. I mean, we we shouldn't just pass by that. Jesus Christ said, He came to serve. So that when the people were hungry, He multiplied the loaves and the fishes and He fed them all in an abundance and there was plenty left over. When the blind man came to Him and said, Lord, I just want to see again said, all right, open your eyes and see, and he did. When the leper, outcast from his community, outcast and separated from his family, alienated from his society, when the leper came to Jesus with his skin, a declaration of his uncleanness, he said, I want to be clean, I want to be whole. Scripture says Jesus healed all ten. When a man was set at the feet of Jesus and he couldn't move in his paralysis, Jesus forgave his sins. And then he said, "Look, he said, "You, you wanted to see a miracle. You wanted to see him get up and walk? I, I understand that." He says, "You do realize that raising up a paralytic man so he can walk again, that's child's play. Here's what's hard, forgiving sins." God alone forgives sins. But I just told this guy his sins are forgiven. So just as an object lesson, so that you know that I have the power to forgive his sins, fella, get up and walk. Take your bed with you. And he got up and he walked. (laughs) Jesus came as a servant, a servant for us, so that on the last night before he was betrayed, He set aside his garments and he took a towel and a basin of water. And the Messiah got on his hands and his knees and he went from disciple to disciple washing their feet. The Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he went on to say and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, Messiah, is the servant of God. Isaiah said, Here's what God says Behold, my servant, the one I chose. This is my chosen one. It's not as though Jesus won a raffle. It's not as though we appointed a committee and had a Messiah search committee to go out and to get resumes in and find out who would qualify to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Before the foundation of the world, before creation, before you and I came into existence, deep within the mystery of the Trinity of God, the Father purposed with the Spirit and the Son to send the Son by the power of the Spirit to die for our sins. God chose and as God's chosen one, then he invites us, if you will, to choose him for us as well. The Messiah, God says, is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, it, that's there in verse 1, chapter 42. It says, you know, behold my servant, the one I chose, I'll put my spirit on him. Now, it's, it's not as though Jesus comes into the world and he doesn't have the spirit and then he gets baptized. You remember the account where where the um, Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as He came out of the water like a dove. That wasn't Jesus getting the Holy Spirit. That was uh, God in the baptism of Jesus telling us that He has the Holy Spirit. By the way, (laughs) I'm sorry. Here we go. Verse 42, Behold, My servant whom I uphold, the Father speaking, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, that is the Son. I have put my Spirit, the Holy Spirit, upon him. If you want to mark that for Trinity, go right ahead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus comes to us. And with our brokenness and with our woundedness, with with the way in which we are... Um, just un- unable to face the, the things that beset us. And I'm not talking about, you know, the challenges of life. A lot of people face challenges and bear up and all that. I'm talking about the real things that matter when we have sinned before God and we can't fix it. There's nothing for us to do but to just lie in the dust while a mob around us accuses us then we hear Messiah say, you know, if there's anybody here that doesn't have any sin, go ahead, tell her one. They all left. And Jesus said to her, where's anybody to condemn you? No. And the only person there who had the right to condemn her said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. You see, the sin has a consequence. It has a dire consequence. Because of our sin, we are separated from the Father. Because of our sin, we cannot come to the Father. Because of our sin, there's nothing we can do to make ourselves good enough to overcome the things we have broken in our lives. But God sent His Son to die in our place so that we might be redeemed. And the Messiah comes filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're, we're so broken, and we are so weakened. You know, have you ever felt so broken that one little puff of air would just finish the job and snap you right off? Have you ever felt that way? And God said, a bruised reed. That is, you know, a reed. Um, it's been bent over. It's not, it's not separated, but it's... It, bent over it, 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 it's bruised. It says he's not going to snap it off. This is how gentle Messiah is going to be. He's not, he's not interested in just letting you know how bad you've been, but he's interested in restoring you and saving you. And if you're a broken reed, he's not going to break you. If, if, if the fire has almost gone out and the only thing left is just the, the glorious glow of an ember. And there's just a hint of a fire. God said, My Messiah, He's not going to snuff you out. He says, if that's all you've got left, He's not going to snuff it out. In fact, if, if you really want to know what Jesus does, is He brings us a new life and a new fire. It sets us ablaze by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Messiah is so gentle that he doesn't snuff out an ember. Now here in this passage, as you look at it, you may glance at it as we think about it. But he says, look, when Messiah comes, he's not going to shout out in the streets. In other words, he's not going to be some bombastic preacher. I feel convicted right now. No, no, pastor, you're not bombastic. Thank you, Thank you. Okay. I forgot to get you the cue cards, I'm sorry. You see, he's not going to be one of these guys that just has to shout a lot and make a lot of noise. See, in our world today, volume has taken the place of reason. What people do is they just shout louder because they don't have anything really to say. The Messiah doesn't need to do that. Jesus knew how to stand up to the... To the religious leaders, he knew how to stand up to the Pharisees and to tell them to their face, you know, you've noticed, haven't you, that you're a hypocrite, you know, that kind of thing. But Jesus knew how to be gentle with those who were wounded and broken and almost gone. That's who we are. That's who we are. So Jesus went to the cross for us. The Messiah in in this scripture, well, let me point it out to you because you won't take my word for it. In verse 6, it says, I'm the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. By the way, the word there, you, is singular. In English, we can't say plural you, singular you. It's all the same word, you. But in Hebrew, you can tell whether it's singular or plural. And this is singular. And so God says, I've called you, my Messiah, in righteousness. I will take you, my Messiah, by the hand and keep you. And I will give you as a covenant for the people. Jesus died on the cross. The blood that flowed from him filled a cup. And that cup is the new covenant relationship in the blood of Jesus. See, what's... What's hidden in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. And so what, what is there in the new Test, Old Testament comes alive in a whole new way when we see it through the fact, the historical fact of Jesus Christ and the cross. And so this morning, if, you, if you've come to that place of brokenness in your life and you realize that your sin has left you in, in little tiny pieces on the floor and you know you'll never put it back together, and what's going through your mind is a horror a horror over your sin and a horror at the brokenness of your life and a terror because you know that you deserve the wrath of God, I want you to behold the Messiah and see the promised Messiah who's so gentle and gracious and kind and merciful that he went to a cruel cross and there died in your place and mine. So that our sins could be taken away, and we are made new creations. We're put together in Christ Jesus. That's that's where we are. Well, let me finish the story. John looks at me. And you know, there's the model ship that's on the floor, and it's it's not it's not as bad as I'm making it sound. I mean, it, but you know, an, a, a, an eight-year-old. Looks at that and says, there's no way, first, that I can ever put this back together. And secondly, there's no way I'm going to live long enough to get out this door. (laughs) But in one of those rare invasions of the Holy Spirit into my life, I said something like, John, don't, don't worry about it. I can fix it. I could, I did. It's in my office now. I said, John, don't worry about it. I can fix it. Be more careful the next time. Because you don't punish a child for a mistake like that. But you know, we've broken something that belongs to God, our lives, our hearts, our souls. We we've sinned against God and we cannot fix it. But He can. And he does in Christ Jesus, whose body was broken on the cross for us and whose blood was shed to fill up a cup that is the new covenant in his blood, a new relationship with the Father through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to this table, we're celebrating God sending Messiah for us to lift us up out of the prison and out of the darkness and into the light and into the freedom of the Spirit. And so in a few moments as we come to the table, I would just invite you, first with thanksgiving and praise, giving all honor and glory to God. And then also coming with devotion and commitment that God's Holy Spirit would lead us every day to walk in the footsteps of Christ, to walk with Messiah, whom God promised so many years ago. Let's bow in prayer. And Father, how thankful we are that the brokenness of our lives has been put together in Christ, that the sin of our hearts has been taken away and removed from us as far as the east is from the west, and that it is no more. Father, how thankful we are that you loved us so much you sent your son and so we ask that your Holy Spirit would give us the courage of faith not only to believe but to follow not only to acknowledge Father but to obey so that our lives would be fit vessels for the praise of the glory of your grace for us in the Messiah Jesus and we pray in his name Amen